Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess, because that is the underlying theme of the overarching story, really, since the beginning of time. So my name is Jen Jewell, and I consider it such an honor to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new story of hope into your world, your speakers, every other Tuesday. And back with me today is my co-host is the co-founder of Life Church, the Amy Groeschel. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of our church, Life Church, where we're also big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets for free wherever we go. So if you don't already have that, you should probably pause this episode and go get it right now. And guys, we just love locking arms with bold and courageous women from all over the globe, from all over the Capital C Church, who are just willing to share a piece of their life. Well, I have always been a huge fan of the underdog. Whether it's in sports or movies or real life, there's just something so compelling about those who persevere against all odds or have an absolutely amazing comeback story. And one of those unlikely heroines in scripture is called Rahab the prostitute. Now, what we do know about Rahab is that she was indeed a prostitute in the Canaanite city of Jericho, a city infamous for idol worship and lots of other wicked stuff. But when two Israelite spies showed up on her doorstep, she let them know she believed their God was the one true God, which is why she vowed to lie to her city leaders and keep the Israelites hidden if they promise to protect her family in return. Now, there's a lot about the story we just don't know and what I would give to interview her right now, right here at the messy table. Like, was this an inherited family business or was she forced or sold into such a lifestyle? Or did she make a slew of not so great decisions in those young teenage years that unfortunately led her down an increased path of shame? And we don't know. We don't know exactly why or how she ended up in such a difficult environment. Listen, she didn't even know that these Israelites would make good on their promise, but she decided not to snitch. She trusted God for her rescue and her life was ultimately saved, saved and recorded in the lineage of Christ. That's right. Rahab the prostitute is also Rahab the great, 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 lots of greats in there, grandmother of Jesus. I mean, don't you just love how God can take unlikely people and not only use them to model His limitless grace, but also to accomplish His purposes, even through their mess? Y'all, our guest in the hot seat today is sharp and passionate and funny, and she might just blow your mind. Rebecca Bender is a human trafficking survivor who now educates all kinds of leaders and organizations about human trafficking so that they can protect their own communities and change culture. Guys, she is on the front lines. She started schools, she's written books, she speaks to educate and advocate, and she's laser focused on helping others go from trafficked to triumphant. So make your coffee extra strong, pull up a chair, and join Amy and me for a chat with Rebecca. Well, Rebecca, this is truly an honor. So welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay, yay. We've been super excited ever since you said yes to be our guest, Rebecca. That's right. And uh, man, the couple of times that we have gotten to meet in person, it was an honor and such an inspiration. What your life has been and what it is now is Mm. just such a beauty from some great ashes. And so we 
know it's going to be so inspiring and equipping today. Rebecca, a lot of us may know you, but a lot of us don't. So would you tell our listeners, who is Rebecca Bender? What is your family like? Uh, A little bit of just the introduction of who you are. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, yeah, I'm I'm Rebecca Bender, and I work in anti-human trafficking. Um, I am a survivor of human trafficking. That's mm-hmm. uh, I share my story on overcoming that and just what God has done in my life and how He calls us back to the very things He takes us from, right? And mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how we got to meet through a variety of, of GLS stuff. But <laughs> yes, I love that you just started with such a like heavy loaded. I know. <laughs> I'm a sex trafficking survivor. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I tell people I ruin a dinner party really quickly, but <laughs> I promise there's hope at the end. Hang on, you know, that's right. But now I'm, I've been married 12 years. We run a, a ministry out of Dallas, Texas. I live in Dallas. My husband and I have four beautiful daughters. Mm, and God. Yeah. My oldest is almost 22 mm-hmm. and my youngest is seven. Mm-hmm. And having grown kids is so much fun. I yes. love having grown children. Yes. <laughs> you got some variety. All the different stages and all the different personalities, as you guys well know, it's just so fun. It is. So fun to see. But why do you look 22? <laughs> you look- <laughs> well, not today. I've, I've been flying and eating lots of salt. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like you kind of already led into a little bit, it's no surprise to any of us that life is often messy, but sometimes it can be excruciatingly difficult and you've Mm -hmm. lived through one of those horrific times. And so if you're willing to just take us back, we truly would be so honored to hear a piece of that story. Yeah, I love the name of your guys's podcast because I think it's so true. Life is messy. Mm -hmm. Humans are complex. It's not so black and white. And I had a friend once say, um, when you actually get close to people, that you can see the complexities of, of the human heart mm-hmm. and you can see and walk with people through that messy, mm-hmm. through that kind of hard times. We and, all have it. Yes. Yeah. And that requires proximity. It's easy to make really clear distinction like this is right, this is wrong, no in between. And then you become friends with people who live a little bit in the in between. So and, true. Yeah. and things are complex and situations come up. And how do you walk? with people well through the messy. And Mm. uh, I just love that. And I definitely have lived that. We all have. Yes. We all have a a story to tell. Yes. Um, But I was raised in a small town in Southern Oregon. I grew up skipping rocks on the river. Mm. My dad pulled green chain at the local lumber mill, just normal kind of blue collar, small town kid. Mm -hmm. I was an only child. I was not raised in church. Um, I had a praying grandma who took me to vacation Bible school in the summers, mm, but God. that was the extent of my Bible knowledge was like Noah's Ark on a flannel board. Mm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <sighs> my parents were partiers. My, my dad smoked weed before he went to work and my mom mm. had a couple drinks on the weekends at friend's house. And mm-hmm. I grew up playing Atari in the back while we waited for the parents to, to be done. And so I wasn't really raised with any kind of really deep faith-based upbringing mm-hmm. and So it was no surprise um, when my parents divorced. It was a really ugly divorce, created a lot of vulnerabilities in me that Mm -hmm. you just don't identify as a teenager. Like, I Mm -hmm. think I have a deep-rooted need of being wanted or Mm -hmm. you just don't think like that as a kid. And and so my boundaries definitely got pushed. Although I was an honor roll student and I was a varsity athlete, actively involved in lots of things, um, I was also a party girl. I wanted to be invited. I wanted to not feel alone and... Mm -hmm. um, 
And if that meant pushing my boundaries, um, then I did that to be accepted and wanted and a part. And um, that created, you know, just continued to desensitize me to lots of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up graduating a year early at 17. I got accepted into Oregon State University, had a dorm room assigned. I was very excited to get out of my small town. And and then I ended up getting pregnant Mm -hmm. and decided to keep my daughter and unenroll from the university which was a really hard decision at that age. Mm-hmm. And all my friends went off to college and I stayed in my small town. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the 22-year-old? That's my 22-year-old, okay. yeah. Yes. Sweet girl. So, that's amazing. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah, had her and went to community college. And and then my friends had moved out of their dorm and into an apartment. They had an extra room. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to go to college up there and mm-hmm. get out of my small town. And I made the move and felt all those same vulnerabilities started to resurface, felt really alone, really unimportant, really unwanted. Hmm. Same things that kind of the divorce had rooted in me. And that's when I met the most amazing guy. Hmm. He was funny and charming and had all these really big, ambitious ideas that I think really scared, lonely me just got like swept up in and, Mm -hmm. and reignited all these dreams that I used to have that had kind of fallen by the wayside. And, mm-hmm. and so I got caught up in, in that momentum. And so when he invited me to move in with him and told me that his job was relocating him to Las Vegas, I was excited to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought every good woman follows her man and mm-hmm. I'm not going to let this great opportunity of this really incredible guy that loves my daughter mm-hmm. pass me by. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was taught, I grew up in the 80s. I was taught stranger danger is, you know, a guy in a white minivan offering you puppy and a candy. And <laughs> yes, I didn't think, I didn't realize what it looks like when there's a con artist that's pretending to be someone they're not, that's slowly expanding your boundaries and increasing your trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, a big part of what we do today is help people really better identify what grooming and recruitment and predatory behavior looks like. It's like we teach our kids to just scream for help if someone, you know, if something's bad, run and, and scream for help. Yes. But what do we do when your teenager or your college kid is at a party and they just feel uncomfortable? Do we teach them then how to trust their gut, how to get out of situations that give them that gut check? Mm. Do we make sure they have Uber ready on their phone? Do Mm. we make sure that they've maybe rehearsed how to get out of like, you know what? Oh, I forgot I have something. Yeah. Have we even talked to them about those things? Or do we Mm -hmm. just go, call me if there's an emergency? Yes. Well, did you see any red flags? Absolutely. I mean, looking back, of course, looking back, but Uh tons of red flags. Yeah. No job that anyone can visit. Mm. Right. You're making all this money, but there's no actual office, even with a filing cabinet, nowhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's a red flag. Um, Two cell phones, uh, especially for a young person, it's probably not common. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple trips out of town, a variety of, of different red flags. And usually we say uh, not one of those on their own is a sign of human trafficking. But if you see multiple, mm-hmm. um, you know, spending late nights out, spending most of your time is between 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Those are red flags. Those are high, what we would consider high prostitution hours. Money, lots of money, but no, like I said, no job that anyone can visit. So clearly very financially successful, but no one can really identify how. Mm. So a lot of those things all combined. But he seemed like he had a soul. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he loved your daughter. Yeah. He seemed to love your daughter. Mm-hmm. We we dated for six months. He got to know me and 
um, I got to know him, at least who I thought. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's what con artists do. They pretend to be someone they're not. I found out he wasn't even the same age that he said he was. Oh, There's wow. all these things yeah. in hindsight that I didn't know. But it needs to say we moved to Las Vegas. And the day that I arrived, he forced me into human trafficking. And The day um, you arrived. Yeah, with the, within a day or two. I mean, it was right. It was immediate. Mm. And I can just remember getting dressed up. I was going to, you know go to the club. Mm. This I always say this is pre-Jesus, so don't judge me. I put yes. on my best club <laughs> gear, yes. got my fake ID. I was ready. Yeah. I was ready to hit hit the club. Yeah. And uh um he took me instead to a to an escort service. Mm. And he said, I spent a lot of money to get you here. And that was money I was going to use for my job. Mm. And I can remember thinking I actually don't know where my baby is. Like, I don't know my address by heart. I don't know any, like it was starting to hit me that I actually didn't know. Like it just was starting to finally kind of, hmm. I, I don't know, like make sense a little. Um, and even when I said no, I said, you know, escorts, prostitution, that that's, I you know, no way. I, I had already been in the club as a dancer before in Oregon. So, um, he just kept trying to tell me that it was just going to be dancing, mm-hmm. just going to be dancing, just going to be dancing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. Escort sounds like prostitution. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, and then he um, slapped me across the face. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I had been in domestic violence for lack of better words. And so as a 19 year old girl, 18, 19 ish, it was like all these emotions of being hit for the first time mm-hmm. by someone that you thought you loved. Mm-hmm. And and then the reality of like, I actually don't know where my baby is <sighs> and like what is happening. And this isn't what I thought mm. when I moved here. And so just all of these harsh realities. Um, it's such a desperate place. Yeah. And then after I ended up that night um, being you know sold and forced into prostitution for the first time. And I can just remember driving home and just crying and just thinking, how did I get here? Mm. Like. I was a good kid from a good home. Like, yeah, I had vulnerabilities, but I would have never been put in an at-risk youth category. I was Mm -hmm. a varsity athlete. I was on the honor roll. Like, I was a cheerleader. I played goalie on the soccer team. Mm -hmm. And my family knew something was wrong. But no one thinks human trafficking, right? We're picturing kidnapped kids overseas. Mm -hmm. And so they kept saying, like, are you on drugs? Are you a stripper? What's Mm -hmm. happening? Something's Mm -hmm. wrong. And And at this point, did you feel like, well... Now I'm stuck. I can't get out of it or they'll hurt me. Or were those things threatened? I mean, absolutely. Like there was what a, kept you in it? Yeah, there was a lot of threats. I think the other thing that people, uh, a misconception that most people have is that the traffickers become this Jekyll and Hyde where suddenly there's someone different. And that's not true. Hmm. They might physically hurt you and become someone different when you're not complying. Hmm. But when you are complying, they're back to being that romantic person you fell in love with. And so then it becomes really confusing where you're like, well, he promises me he won't do it again. Mm -hmm. And you go through that honeymoon phase where he's sorry. And I mean, like really any domestic violence relationship where you're on this roller coaster of power and control. Hmm. Um, And so I I for a long time thought that I was in domestic violence and I would call a domestic violence hotline. Like I legitimately thought that that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was too ashamed of the prostitution and that if I ever said no, then I would get hurt or 
I remember he went and took my daughter from daycare um, mm. without my consent when I said no. Mm. When I said, I don't want to do this anymore, mm. I went to pick her up and she was gone. Wow. Um, That's terrifying. I came home once and he had kicked my door in and taken all my things. Mm. And so there's moments when you do say no and you start pushing back and you're like, I don't want to do this. And this isn't what I agreed to. And yeah. and you told me it wouldn't happen again. And and then all of these things, all these really scary, violent Where's my daughter? Oh my gosh, all my things are gone. Mm-hmm. How do you start over with no ID and no money? And gosh. this is before cell phones too, right? Yes. I mean, I had a like a StarTac Motorola like flip phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wasn't at all like today. So I think we started being able to text a little bit on a Nokia. Do you remember the Nokias that you would have to like LMNO? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. It da, was da, like da, da, da. That kind of. <laughs> Yeah. So very different. Just a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment. Um, I started using drugs to mask Mm. my emotions. Mm -hmm. And so by 21, I was a full-blown addict. Um, Mm. And my my mom ended up taking my daughter from me Um. until I could turn my life around, quote unquote, was what mm-hmm. she said, because I was hiding the abuse and I was hiding the forced prostitution, and mm-hmm. um, which now we know is human trafficking by mm-hmm. law, right? To use force, right. fraud or coercion mm. on another human being for the purpose of commercial sex is the legal definition of human trafficking mm. to harbor, transport, obtain, recruit or solicit by the means of force, fraud or coercion mm. um, is the legal law. So it's just different. It's different in a first world country. It's different. I think people don't always know what to look for for trafficking in their own neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I finally was able to get out years later, kind of making a long story short, <laughs> you can buy the book on Amazon. Small shameless <laughs> right. plug. But um, when I got out, I wanted to start telling people what trafficking was actually looking like around them. Yeah. First world developed country human trafficking so mm-hmm. that we could see the signs sooner and yes. um, help people get out and help people to self-identify mm-hmm. um, and not, you know, think that they're in situations that are that are actually legally human trafficking. Right. And I know that there's a big myth, uh, especially in these developed countries, that if you have landed yourself in a situation like this with the, the wrong guy and you're an addict, that you were just kind of a bad girl and you had it coming and you kind of wanted that or something ridiculous like that. Mm. And so what woman wants that? Yeah. Like, how do you teach people the difference between like nobody says oh, when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute. Yeah. I think what's really helpful for me and I hope is helpful for other people is to really do the deep dive into how did people get into these situations to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's like the real systemic look at the issue of of trauma and systemic prostitution, right? So how did, what was your childhood like? Were you desensitized to abuse as a kid? Did you watch violence in the home? Did you grow up in foster care? Had you experienced sexual abuse as a child? Mm -hmm. Um, So had your boundaries in all of these things been modeled or desensitized. Uh, I think there's so much with childhood trauma and the neurology of our brains and trauma that forms patterns of behaviors that we think are normal as an adult and are are not. It's just what's been modeled for us or the you know neurological route your brain has taken to cope. And then the lack of opportunity and the lack of options and the lack of resources mm. combine into these situations that put people in that messy, in that messy middle mm-hmm. that we were talking about. It's not so black and white. It's not so cut and dry. Mm-hmm. When you lean in and you get to know people and you hear 
oh, you were severely abused as a kid and you grew up in foster care Mm -hmm. and then you didn't get a college scholarship and you didn't have a good support system to help you apply for FAFSA and no one walked you through that. And and then this older predatory boy comes around your freshman year of high school and you drop out and run away. I mean, your brain isn't fully even formed until the age of 25 with (laughs) cognitive reasoning, right? right? And so- I think that when people say that, like, well, why didn't they do this or why didn't Mm -hmm. they do that? My answer is you're thinking from a really healthy adult brain. Mm -hmm. You should think that as a really healthy adult brain. That's a good point. Yeah. And you have to remember these aren't really healthy adult brains. When Mm -hmm. you're in the middle of these really scary moments, Mm -hmm. it's a traumatized childlike brain whose emotional development may have even been stunted due to abuse. Mm -hmm. And so you're not thinking always like a healthy adult. You're thinking like a traumatized 17-year-old, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that continues. And we always say, you know, traffic kids grow up to be trafficked adults when not found. Yeah, Just because someone turns 18 doesn't mean suddenly things become their... That starts much, much Mm -hmm. sooner in childhood to get, um, unfortunately, to put us in situations that are just harder sometimes to navigate than other people have had. Man, you're so right, though. It's so deep rooted. And, you know, I have a friend right now who her foster kids, their mom grew up in the foster care system, like 60 plus homes and aged out. And now her kids are in the foster care system. And so it's just so heartbreaking. I'm curious, you know, can we be retrained? Can the brain be retrained? Obviously, well, we need to hear more of your story first, because clearly you are a living and breathing example. But I would just love to hear kind of more about what happened and how you got out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think our brains can always be renewed, right? It's mm-hmm. the renewing of the mind. And and I think there's scientifically, sociologically, there's all these things that, that show us that, that lots of people overcome their past. Lots of people turn their lives around. And there's right biblically rooted yeah. uh, scriptures in that as well. And so for me, I can remember running and Again, there's lots more in the middle. I'm just skipping over for time's sake. Sure. But um, read the book. Read the book. <laughs> yeah, read the book. I, I remember getting out and getting into government subsidized housing and getting on food stamps. And it it was really hard, like living yeah. in poverty as a single mom with a lot of PTSD. How long did you not have your daughter? Um, only about a year and a half. And I got her back. Okay, awesome. And then I was back at trafficking, though. Okay. So she was almost, uh, I think she was about nine when I finally left kind of the life for good. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were trafficked for about nine, eight, nine years? So I was trafficked for six years. In the middle of that, I was in rehab for 18 months. That's when my mom had my daughter. Mm -hmm. And then I went to London with a buyer for a year. I thought I could escape and run off with someone that was going to help me get away. And he didn't help you get away? No, not. I mean, he wasn't in touch with my trafficker, but he was a man who, you know, was controlling of a variety of things that I, you know, I got there in a difficult time since he was a buyer. Mm-hmm. So I jokingly referred to it as my Richard Gear year, thinking that maybe Pretty Woman was mm-hmm. real and I could <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. have a start over and just wear like fancy hats at a horse race. Like yeah. that, what could happen, but that's not real. That didn't happen. So six years total, but, you know, broken up into these three different kind of chunks of my life. Okay. Uh, but when I got out for good, started over, had nothing, living in poverty just really upset, um, really mad at God. Just like, is this the freedom that these Christians talk about? Like this is living in poverty is, Mm -hmm. this is it. Like this sucks too. Mm -hmm. And if this is, if this is y'all's freedom, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. So did you believe that there was a God? Oh yeah. I got radically saved and delivered in rehab at a faith-based church at a faith-based shelter that I lived in. Oh wow. But I didn't have a really 
Yeah. It, I was a brand new no you know, baby yeah. Christian. Yeah. I did, Yeah. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to deal with change. I didn't know. I didn't have deep rooted faith yet. I didn't yeah. have any of the understanding of what it was really going to take to walk out my own salvation with fear and trial. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're just introduced to this whole new world and you're like, okay, but there's still old you and there's yeah. still old behaviors and there's mm-hmm. still old habits and you still murmur and complain or gossip or staff split. It takes work yeah. to renew your mind. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just bibbity bobbity boo and you get amnesia <laughs> and it starts over. Like yeah, you see, yeah. when you say the sinner's prayer, like I, people think that that's not reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys know that you've walked with women that are absolutely coming out of a lot of things and it takes work to undo habits. And even still, like then you create new habits, even yes. as believers, everyone sitting on here has probably binge watched way too much TV, right? You've got to, <laughs> yes. especially during COVID, there were some habits that all of us probably had to break, right? Yep. Yes. Listen, we so, can all still be a mess. Yeah. So how did you begin to grow? And you're in this place of poverty. So I don't want you to stop there with what you wanted to share, but we do want to hear how you got deep roots and, and what God did. Yeah. As soon as you can, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I know. Keep answering questions. It's a long story. <laughs> but um, I was at my kitchen table getting really mad at God, just like, this isn't freedom. And if this is what the church has, I don't want it either. And and I just remember very clearly the Lord saying, if you give me the same amount of time that you gave the enemy, I will never be outdone. Mm. Wow. Praise God. And I was like, okay. You've got six years. Mm. <laughs> got six years. Mm. And if this ain't better, Jesus, I'm out. That's what I told him. <laughs> I, love that. I love the raw honesty. Yeah. And it was hard. It was a hard six years. But every time I just dug my heels in, it's like, you know what? There are millions of people that figure this out without selling themselves. I can too. Mm. I can do this. And I can take a budgeting class. I can try to take a night class. I can lean on my community to watch my daughter if I need to during placement exams. I can... Um, take a side job. Like I just, wow. every time I got hard, I just said, you know what? I, I promised six years. Mm-hmm. I promised six mm-hmm. years. And I'd had this like vision, like a, you know, like you just imagine something when you're praying. Yeah. And I had pictured this like messy pile of papers kind of sprawled out all over the floor. And it was like, Jesus was picking them up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I had this moment that I couldn't expect for him to undo in 30 days, mm-hmm. what the enemy had taken six years, yeah. if not longer because of my mm-hmm. childhood mm-hmm. to build in me. And I felt like it was a really unfair request that God could completely change my life around in 30 days when I've had this whole lifetime mm-hmm. of really, um, unhealthy thought patterns that had Mm. built in me. And so who was your community that you mentioned? I was going to a church at the time. My aunt, I'd slept on my aunt's couch before getting into an apartment and she um, was going to a church. And so I was able to jump in the car with her Mm. and kind of get back to that first love that I had had when Mm. I got saved the first time and, and just really like, okay, I'm committed to figure this out when it's hard, when I'm lonely, when I don't have money, I am going to dig my heels in and not go back to what's familiar Mm. because it's really easy Mm -hmm. to go back to what's familiar. It's much harder to navigate a world that you know nothing about. Mm -hmm. So I think it's tempting anytime someone's in a messy middle and trying to figure out life. It's really tempting to just do what's familiar, Mm -hmm. even if you know it's not healthy. Rebecca, I think that's a word. Yeah, that's a word right now. I think for the women listening, you don't have to go back to what is dysfunctional just because it's normal. Right. Yeah. It's really easy to do that, but it's harder to go. You know what? I don't know how to navigate going back to college as a single mom. I yeah. clearly stopped that first time, right? How do I do this? And mm-hmm. maybe I need to reach out for a little more support and yeah. just start, you know, trying to identify areas 
that maybe you haven't navigated before? Mm -hmm. And who can you lean in as a coach, as a mentor, even if it's just a one-time phone call, coffee date? Um, you don't have to have someone walk with you for months and months and months. Sometimes that can be hard. You can just find someone that knows a little bit more about the area you're wanting to step into. Um, it makes a whole world of difference. Mm -hmm. Did you have a commitment to like a no romantic uh, policy during this season of getting your life back on track? You know, I, I didn't. I started dating my husband um, within a few months of coming back. I think I, I left in February. We started um, dating probably within a, a month. And by April, we were engaged. Mm, and yeah, tell us I more. was like, well, I just I think it, it was this very much like, do not lust, get married. Do not lust, get married. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. That preaches too. And, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we got married, and um, it's been 12 years, and three more kids later. Mm. Um, so. Listen, people who are engaged for like three years, I'm like, this is a terrible idea. This is not going to work. <laughs> like, you could have been getting to know each other for three years. This could have counted towards your anniversary time. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, marriage is hard. Marriage isn't easy either, and we've come to the table to messy people and mm -hmm. trying to build a life together. And it's like, well, how do you do Christmas? Well, how do you do Christmas? You know, or mm -hmm. how do you parent and how do you parent? And I was already a, a mom. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you got married and you began to grow together, I guess, in your faith and learning how to have a healthy relationship. What, what's next? Yeah. You know, it was just, I was working and he was working and we were having kids and just, you know, really leaning into our community and getting plugged in and mm. going to church and home group and classes and just plugging in as much as we could. And I can remember um, really feeling a need to like tell my testimony and I wanted to share it. And I, I just felt uh, God wasn't opening doors for me to do that. And I just, uh, my friend had called it a season of no. Hmm. Uh, can I start a prayer morning? No. Can I serve at potluck? No. Can you just like, for some reason, hmm. God kept giving me all these no's mm -hmm. and it was really quite frustrating. And yeah. I was standing at church one morning. I was pregnant with my third daughter, um, very newly pregnant, just a few weeks, even like between eight and 12 weeks, but been trying really hard to have another baby. And so I was very excited. And I can remember standing there, um, you know, lamenting to the Lord in worship, like, again, the season of no, like, you're calling me to tell my testimony. Why can't I do that? All these things. I'm sure I was blaming the church, too, at that point, not myself, <laughs> but that's fine. And, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> be real. Yeah. And uh, again, I felt the Lord say, do you remember how excited you were when you found out you were pregnant? And I said, yes. He said, in your excitement, could you push that baby out right now? And I said, no. Hmm. He said, what would happen if you did? Mm. I said, it would die. Mm. He said, I've impregnated you with the dream that you will not be able to physically bring forth on your own. Wow, that gives me chills. If you try to take it into your hands, it will not last. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, it'd be my next book. <laughs> so it was hard because I'm like, okay, got it. God wants to develop something yeah. really deep within me that he has put in me. Mm. Um, but it was also a little bit discouraging too because I thought, okay, well, that means... Mm that I'm not going to be able to move forward as quickly as I want or as quickly as I hope, even in my excitement. And I remember him just saying like, but be of good cheer. No woman stays pregnant forever oh, yeah. and nothing can stop a woman in labor. Oh, <laughs> When it's yeah. go time and your water breaks, no science, no nothing, hmm. nothing can stop a woman in labor. And here's the great thing. And nobody wants to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to. They're like, baby's ready, you know? So I just kept holding on to that for a very long time, actually almost nine years, um, wow. just praying and praying and praying. And then 
finally started being able to, I started a ministry and just served, just started serving Mm -hmm. in my community, serving other trafficked women, serving law enforcement that were trying to identify trafficking in their communities. Um, God blew a lot of favor on our ministry. Uh, We just grew really quickly, Mm. um, sometimes too quickly, right? We grow too fast. It's like all this cleanup you have to do operationally. Mm -hmm. It's just been a real uh, leadership learning curve for me. Uh, but we've year to date have trained well over a hundred thousand law enforcement officers, FBI, Homeland Security, CIA, police academies, amazing chief of police, all sorts. Um, and I created an online school pre-COVID to help survivors figure out how to get job ready after escape. And we've had nine hundred women go through our online program mm. in four hundred cities. Mm-hmm. So it's wow. shocking. And so through all this, I've been able to do the very things that God had put in my heart to do and share my story and Mm -hmm. help raise awareness and help change culture and, and help survivors find a seat at tables Mm -hmm. in communities where they live and change, you know, policy from the ground up through lived experience. So it's been really cool. Such a great reminder that God wants to use our pain for purpose, but that we also have to, you know, be in line with his timing. Mm -hmm. And so, Man, that's so beautiful. And before we kind of get more into your books and, you know, some resources that you have, I first want to know, how would you say that you are different now? How is your perspective different now because of what you've experienced? Yeah. I know that's like a big overarching question, but... Which experience? The trafficking experience or the leadership experience? Mm, Both. (laughs) Either. All of it. The whole picture. Yeah. You know, I'm a lot... It's interesting. I feel like in the last five years... I have become a lot more empathetic to people's journey and their mess. I'm going to keep using it because it's the name of your podcast and it fits so well, right? girl. (laughs) I've become a lot more empathetic to that messy middle. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to hold people to your own convictions Mm -hmm. and your own measuring stick. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that not everybody's called at the same journey. Mm -hmm. And what's going to be a conviction for me might not be for you Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And that's okay. And we need to just trust the Holy Spirit and not put our own judgments on that and go, you know what? I mean, here's a great example. We're we're right. We're making a TV show and super excited about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a couple of the cast had shared some really great words with me. And and I it was this reminder of like, we have actors that are called yeah. to a whole industry. 100%. Yeah. And they're going to do things that you might not want to watch and you might not agree with, but they are adamantly walking in the call of God mm-hmm. to make cultural transformation. And like, so who are any of us? Like, right. I just, that's one small example, but it, it just is a recent one of, of remembering every single person is called by God. And we can't, be so quick to make a, a black or white decision. And there's a lot of gray, a lot of gray in the middle. Yeah. I like that you're talking about that gray area specifically. So you're not saying, okay, well, the Bible's super clear about this thing or this thing. You're saying, man, the stuff that is complex and there is tension and there is difficulty to kind of discern, like we need the Holy Spirit to discern, you know, how to move forward. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's such a good word. Yeah. And I mean, even if the Bible is clear on a variety of things where you feel that like the Bible is clear on this, and we're working with humans mm-hmm. and humans have Absolutely. emotions and trauma and sin and yes. right. And so All like, of us. yes, <laughs> of course, there's a standard yes. and yet no one usually ever meets that. And so we can't meet it. Mm-hmm. in the end of the day, we are called to love people, right. love people, yeah. love them through the mess, love them through the middle, mm-hmm. find people that will love you through your mess mm-hmm. and that we all have different seasons where some seasons you're feeling great. Like, Hey, I'm doing this. And then 
something happens, right? Leadership is hard. Mm-hmm. You have to let people go. You have to fight, right? Like yeah. things then get hard and maybe you have to take your own inventory and go, wow, maybe I could have been a little bit more of an intentional this or an intentional that. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. create this. Does that, you know what I'm trying to say? No, like we have yeah. this oh, standard, yes. but then there's the life and it's yes. just different. Yes. Well, I highlighted so many things that, well, I just want to share a few of what you're saying, because to me, when you at the beginning talked about that, when you get close, it's very complex and that you tied this into this message of I'm learning and becoming more empathetic, that empathy is coming to the table. Mm -hmm. Man, this is such a good word for all of us today as we live in such a divisive Mm -hmm. uh, state politically in the pandemic and socially that we can't just ride on simple platitudes because when you think about that closeness, that proximity, um, and how you could just look at anything face value, but then if you're able to put a microscope on it, you see, oh, it's so much more complex than that. Um, Leading with empathy is just, I think, a powerful word of the day, a powerful word. And then your season of no was so powerful. And, And I myself have a story of that season of no or season of waiting. It's not yet where there's something in you that won't go away, but it's a not yet. And timing is everything, how you yielded that word from the Lord, yielded to it and waited on God. And even though it was nine years, which seems like a lifetime to a young person and young you are. So it's like, but look at what God did, the baby that you birthed. And now you're having multiple babies (laughs) and they're culture changing babies. It's huge. And so what you're telling us is really just something everybody can um, apply. But tell us specifically, Rebecca, about some of these babies. Like you mentioned, this online school and this tremendous number of um, those that have been trained. Yeah. Like give us the names and the books and the titles to these babies. Yeah. Well, it's so cool because, I mean, at the end of the day, it really comes down to obedience, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if God says, wait, you you wait and it's hard and it's, it doesn't mean it's like easy to do or, mm-hmm. you know, there's many times where I think we've all cried ourselves to sleep waiting or God's shut a door and it's like, you know, you can get angry at the people, you can get angry at this, angry at that, or you can go back and go, all right, God, that clearly got shut for a reason and mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I'm going to trust you. Good. And um, you've brought me this far. You're not going to leave me now. Um you know, I had a, a really great uh, recent word from the Lord. I was with a friend and she's just such a fun friend that everything is a surprise. And so we went for a birthday party. We had like a girl's trip. And I said, where are we going to lunch? And she was like, you have to put this puzzle together to figure out where we're going to lunch. And so it was just everything's always so much fun with her. And as I was doing that, I felt the Lord Actually, one of her her friends said, you know, what does she have planned for tomorrow? And I said, I don't know, but whatever it is, it's going to be awesome because she always has these great surprises. And I felt immediately the Lord say, why won't you feel like that about me? Mm. Wow. Why do I do that? Why do I have to know the plan from the Lord? Why can't he just say, I want to watch your face when I bring the coolest surprise? Mm. Like that's what you're preaching to me. Relationship, <laughs> right? Yes. Like relationship is when you get to walk through things together and even joy. And just those moments of like, 
the Lord wanting to see my face when he brings an incredible surprise mm. and that I don't have to know every single step. And why wouldn't we not expect for the Lord to bless us? Like he wants to love us and surprise us and gift us with good things. Yeah, he does. And I had an intern once who very wise wander years with this statement. She was like, if you woke up, I had a five-year-old at the time. She said, if you woke up and, and your five-year-old was 20, how would you feel? And I said, I would feel sad because I would miss out on like her first boyfriend and her driving, learning to drive and her prom and like all these things that I want to do with her. And she was like, that's how God feels about you. Mm-hmm. That he has all these moments that he actually wants to do with you. Mm-hmm. And you're like trying to rush to this ending. That's good. And so there's relationship and joy in the wait that I think we forget is really crucial in, in developing deep roots. So mm. anyway, that's kind of wrapping that up. But so Elevate Academy is our online school for survivors. You can go to elevate-academy.org and learn all about the school for survivors of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. We have um, semesters throughout the year, 11 classes to choose from, job shadowing opportunities, just really trying to get survivors job ready after escape. That's our goal. Wow. And that's amazing. Yeah, we we love it. We have a great Elevate manager and, and faculty, different survivor leaders that come on and teach the classes. So every semester is a little bit different and, and also a lot of similarities. So have there been any particular stories or maybe one particular story or woman that you're like, man, this just motivates me to keep going. Like it grips my heart because it truly like you've seen it make a difference. I'm sure a thousand times over, but yes. So, so many, it's, it, it's so many stories like that. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur by heart, so I always love seeing women step in and start to realize that they have gifts far beyond what their trafficker ever tapped into. Mm. And they see that they're smart and they're good at business or they're good at research and they're good at photography or they're good at and like to see them explore their gifts that they've never been given the opportunity to Mm -hmm. tap into. is like, that's for me what it's about. I love to see you so excited about it. Yeah. It's so cool because I, you know, I think we all know that feeling when you realize you're good at something that you didn't know you were good at. Mm -hmm. And then we want to help them figure out how to get out of poverty by doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. That there's actual options for you to be able to make a living off the things you love. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's really fun. Okay, Rebecca, so burning question that I feel like so many people ask who have been through trauma or tragedy, maybe not that God caused this, but why would he allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, how have you sorted through that over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think this is such a, a question that comes up in any kind of Christian ethics mm-hmm. seminary class. Mm-hmm. Is like, why does God allow bad things to happen? And it's not like I have all the theological, spiritual answers for everyone right. on Christian ethics today. But I think it for me, what has been really helpful is to know that, that sin exists mm-hmm. and you know, I really struggled for a while with feeling like I had been dealt this hand of cards Mm -hmm. that felt really unfair. Mm -hmm. And I can remember I would see other young ladies, maybe it was in high school or even in college or even out now, you know, and I'm like, well, that's a great silver spoon they were handed, but Mm -hmm. I've got this broken McDonald's fork and (laughs) it sucks. And I, for a long time, I'll be honest, like it would make me bitter a little and it'd be like, well, she doesn't understand. She never walked through nothing hard. And Mm -hmm. if you allow that bitterness to grow, to take root, um, it's going to spread to other things. Mm -hmm. And so I just had to start going, you know what, God, you knew what I could get through. Mm -hmm. You knew how you, how I would take this and try to build something. And you didn't want this to happen. You didn't make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to believe that 
I'm going to make something out of this. And I just mm-hmm. had to keep kind of reminding myself of that. And the Lord would give me great words along the way, you know, where he would remind me of his nepotism, for lack of better words, right? Mm-hmm. But I would see someone, I'd be like, well, that's easy for them. Their dad did that. You know, mm-hmm. let's be real. We've all had talks and conversations like that in our own mm-hmm. minds, if not out loud with your bestie, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I, when I would think that, I would feel very quick the Holy Spirit check me and go, well, what about my nepotism? Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, my dad is the king of kings, and he's going to open a door for me that no one else can open Come on. and get me into positions that no one else can get me into. And mm-hmm. um, and I just have to keep saying those mantras over and over and over again until I don't allow the negative bitterness to creep in. And so it's, it's like I have the choice to choose what my mind's going to dwell on, and whatever I practice gets stronger. So if I'm going to practice yeah. bitterness and gossip about it, it's going to get stronger. Yeah. It's actually going to get really, really strong. And if I refuse to allow that, um, I change the channel of my mind. And out loud sometimes, that even means having to say out loud, you know what? My God, what about nepotism of my father? Whatever you're going to say that mm-hmm. helps you shift your thinking. Yeah. You say that over and over and over again, out loud if you have to, until it stops the other thought from growing stronger. It's you've got to. you got to choose what you're going to strengthen. So helpful. So good. So good. Thank you. Yeah. So I know we don't want to promote fear, but we also want to be smart. So I'm curious, just for a lot of regular people listening to this podcast, living their somewhat regular lives, right? Like, I don't know what normal is, but (laughs) what could we be aware of for ourselves or for our kids? Just some kind of nugget that you could give us that would be helpful. Yeah. So I would highly recommend go to our website, Mm rebeccabender.org and click that resource tab. And just there's lots of things there that are really geared on what you might be interested in. We do have a find your lane e-course that you can find the nine different ways that you can fight trafficking in your own community, regardless of the spectrum. So let me give you an example. We have sometimes parents that are like, well, I have boys, like I don't really need to get involved in learning mm-hmm. about prevention. And and my response is the number one buyer of sex in the world is American men. Mm-hmm. And so how did we get there? And how are we raising our sons in a really hypersexual world? Mm-hmm. This isn't just a girl's issue because those are the most at risk for exploitation. It's not to say boys aren't exploited, yeah. just percentage wise, girls are higher percentage. Mm -hmm. But the reality is whether it's a boy or a girl, unfortunately, that's being exploited. Mm -hmm. The buyer is 99% of the time is is a man. And so what are we doing? How are we raising our boys? How are Mm -hmm. we raising them to have great, you know, character and great uh, ability to defend and protect and stand up and say no and mm-hmm. don't allow those kind of talks or no, we're not going to do a strip club for a bachelor party. And it's not a boys will be boys thing, mom. It's mm-hmm. a, no, you need to step in and talk to your kids about this and figure out how to raise sons that are going to be different in this next generation. And I, I just think it's really crucial to make sure we are talking about that. It's not just protect your daughters, right? It's, right. It can't be the only way to fight trafficking. It's, it won't happen if we don't have some amount of demand lens on the demand. Sure. So find your lane is there. It's on our website. You can okay. learn all the nine different ways. Uh, lots of tips for parenting on there, whether your kid's elementary, middle or high school, just how to keep your kids safe. Um, you know, again, quick nugget I'll give for that elementary school, you know, be thoughtful around the adults in your life that are trying to 
grow close. And it's not a paranoid fear thing, but it's it's just a reality of like, is the coach wanting to pick up your seven-year-old too frequently? What's going on? Like, yeah. be wise. We need to use wisdom. Yes. We're, not, we're in a crazy world right now, right? And so mm-hmm. be really thoughtful. Middle school, you got to get some gaming parental controls on your devices. Okay. Predators are on all the gaming apps. That's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I tell my girls that it's not a stranger danger in the white minivan as much as it is if someone on your gaming app asks you to go chat in another app because most kids games don't allow exchange of photos. Mm. And so predators will try to then get you to chat on a different app so that photos can start being exchanged. So you feel like more gaming than social media? I think I'd say both, Both but for middle school, most fifth, sixth, seventh graders generally don't have a lot of social media. They're, they're on games, they're on Roblox, they're on Minecraft. Mm. I think high school social media for sure. I think middle school, most middle schoolers, you're starting to barely get social media, right? Yeah. But they're definitely on gaming. So, right. And then that, that high school, college age, it's that boundaries again. How do you just talk to your kids about trusting their gut when you don't feel safe? Get out of the room. Yeah. Don't wait till it comes to an emergency. So good. Um, so those are kind of three tips. We have a parenting ebook on our website, though. You're welcome to download for free. So awesome. lots of resources on trafficking that we put out there on my personal website, RebeccaBender.org, mm-hmm. but the school for survivors elevate academy.org. You can learn about that there. You have so many amazing things. So yes. you have a book out and then you have a new Bible study that is launching like next week. I know. Yes, yes, so yes. I know. It's so crazy. I, I would have never thought this was possible. I Aww. Every day I'm like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? <laughs> um, so my memoir, In Pursuit of Love, um, came out during COVID, um, which is always fun for authors, first-time authors to have their book come out during a pandemic. Um, so you're welcome to go help a sister out and go pick that up. Um, the audio is great. I read it so you can really hear uh, tone that's my and favorite. emotion mm. and, and the slang used properly and yes. all that stuff. So I was really excited about that. And that is uh, currently being turned into a TV series Praise on God. Showtime. Which so is amazing. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. It's the writer and the producer who did Aaron Brockovich. So mm-hmm. I'm really um, just honored to be working with such incredible women mm-hmm. that um, know how to tell real story really well. So it's yeah. going to be cool. Awesome. And then my new Bible study is my first ever Bible study on the book of Exodus. Come on. How to break bad habits. That's crazy. Stop walking in circles. Go after your dreams. Kind of tagline. I don't have it memorized yet because it's so new. But That's right. Thank you. Um, I went to seminary through all of this and um, just really love the word. I love being able to culturally contextualized scripture. What I think, do you not do? <laughs> I know. She has a lot of lives here. <laughs> I just think, yeah, I mean, I think when you know what's happening in the Bible before you read the scripture, mm. it makes a lot more sense. If you uh, know what's happening good. in Ephesus, yeah. in the church of Ephesus, yes. then you can read that with a little bit of a different lens. Mm-hmm. And so I just find for me, that's been something that just makes the word come a little bit more alive and just a little different. And so So what is Exodus about? I mean, clearly I know what it's about, but like, what's your heart, your take behind it? Man, I've always loved Exodus, specifically Mm -hmm. uh, chapter 13. There's one verse that says, though God could have taken them the short route, he chose to take them the long road so Mm -hmm. that when they faced battle, they wouldn't turn and flee. And I feel like, I mean, that speaks so much to our whole message today of the weight and that development. But I really, for years, wanted to kind of do a Bible study based around that, like, that weight. And, Hmm. and as I dug into Egyptology and learned really about the culture that Moses was born into in that time Hmm. and really got to see 
a very different lens on a few things. So I think there's a couple nuggets in there that are are really good that I'm like, I have never heard. I shouldn't say never. People always preach on Moses and Exodus. But like when you really get to know the Egyptian culture mm-hmm. that he was coming into and through, it's it just is it from a whole different new lens. So mm-hmm. I really am excited to get it out there. Which so beautifully ties into your story and just kind of the things that you were born into. Yes. I mean, wow. Yeah. All of our stories. Yeah. If you don't know what you come out of, it's hard to celebrate the redemption if you don't talk about the gravity of what yes. you came from, right? And yes. so come on. Yeah. All of us that applies, Moses, it applies. And so I'm just excited to get the word out. Mm. Yes. Everybody needs to go to her site, read all this stuff. Man, this is amazing. That's right. I mean, I'm ready. We got to go. We got to get off this podcast so we can go start getting the resources. There's (laughs) there's so many things I want to read and do now. Thank you. I'm excited to be able to bring this information, you know, and whatever spectrum you fall in, whether you have a little bit of time and you don't really want to get involved, but you do want to be able to be thoughtful and wise as a parent, just go do that. Yes. If you want to get involved in a ministry, if you're in a ministry that's fighting trafficking in your church, go read some of those books, go read some of the e-courses, yes. learn how to do this well from a survivor. Let us help yes. tell you the you know how to do this well. All the way to, if you want a career in advocacy, we need people in government. We need people in law enforcement. We need people in entertainment and business. So Mm -hmm. jump in and learn how exploitation impacts all Mm. of those things. So wherever you fall, there's something for everyone. I have several people in some leadership positions that I cannot wait to send this to. I know it's going to be super helpful. Awesome. Yes. And I just keep thinking for your life. And I think it's not just you as well. I want everyone to feel this. I mean, we are his children, his daughters for such a time as this. Rebecca Bender, for such a day as this, um, in the days that we live in, I just praise God Mm. for your obedience, for being faithful to follow God on the long road that he had you on. And uh, man, the fruit is incredible. And the gift of your, um, the resources that God's given you to be faithful to, I just praise God for it because we do need to be equipped. We do need to wake up and, and be aware of the wiles of the enemy and how he's after our kids. This affects us all when you talk about mm-hmm. gaming and it's at our fingertips. Um, we're all vulnerable and we all need to to step in and do our part, however that may be, mm-hmm. for ourselves, for our children, for um, those that we influence. Yes. So I just am celebrating you mm-hmm. and um, so thankful. Thank you. Thanks so much. It means a lot. Well, as we wrap up, would you just give everyone listening a final word of encouragement or advice, just something you really want us all to hear and kind of take with us as we go into our week? Yeah. I mean, I I think after our conversation comes full circle, I would just want to remind everyone that you're right in the place you're supposed to be. Mm. Um, Don't allow the weight, the long road to discourage you. The, the development don't let it to just don't allow it to discourage you that mm-hmm. God has a plan his timing is perfect mm-hmm. um, keep allowing those seasons of no and the seasons of waiting to be one where you're developing relationship and deep roots um, that's going to really sustain what he has so don't give up don't give in keep waiting and keep going deeper that's perfect amazing well thank you so much for joining us we're so grateful yes yes thank you guys for having me we are so thankful thank you so much All right. Well, if you're leaving this conversation like we did, wanting even more details than this brief window allows, the great news is all of these resources are linked in the conversation notes. We're also going to link a few past episodes that could be helpful. One woman who also had a past in the sex industry 
another who is able to find hope after abortion, and another who shares about healing after sexual abuse. Guys, we know these topics are heavy and weighty, but we also know they're important. And so with that, we are asking God to intercede and heal hearts and transform lives because we know He's the one who can do it. Y'all, as always, you can subscribe to this podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. You can also join the conversation and stay in the know by connecting with us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And you don't have to wait to make a difference. You can partner with us by spreading this hope simply by texting this episode to a friend or sharing it on social media, or you can even leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Yes, it sounds like a very small thing, but it actually increases visibility and helps other women find these powerful stories of hope. So again, we are truly so honored you joined us. And as you head back into your world and into your week, remember, yes, life is messy but God is at work in your mess.